We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Hello and welcome to Yield Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stengel. Hello. Hello. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Wednesdays for everyone else. (laughs) To start off our episode this week, which Mm -hmm. is our 100th episode... That's bananas. It is bananas. How how did that happen? I don't know. (laughs) It seems really crazy. In all honesty, I didn't expect it to get to 100 episodes. It's just something that we do. And now it's a lot. Yeah. Last week on June 3rd marked our two-year anniversary of having the podcast. That's bananas. Wow, 100 episodes. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to us. <laughs> Woo! We did it. Congratulations. But yes, I forgot to mention this last week in the first episode of June. But we just wanted to give a special shout out to the two newest members of the Cultivate Network. Hey. Which is... The Horror House Podcast and A Spooky Tales. So you'll recognize Dom from his guest appearance on an earlier episode from Horror House. And MJ and Christine from A Spooky Tales discuss a variety of stories from Latin America. Nice. And we'll have links to both of their shows in the show notes. And we highly encourage you to give them a listen. And welcome to the Cultivate family. Welcome to the cult of eight. Yeah. Not a cult. <laughs> kind of, but not really. <laughs> we won't make you drink any sort of Kool-Aid. Yeah. You can throw away the packets when they <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am very excited about this week's episode because we are going to be discussing Steed Bonnet the gentleman pirate. Oh. The gentleman pirate. Yeah. Does this happen to coincide with any sort of HBO Max show? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not. Totally. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Information was pulled from the following sources. A 2022 grunge article by Josh Sippy. 2022 The Conversation article by Terry Goldsworthy and Gail Bratto. 2021 World History Encyclopedia article by Mark Cartwright. 2016 North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources article. 2007 Smithsonian Magazine article by Amy Crawford. The Barbados and the Carolinas Legacy Foundation article. Two articles on Genie.com. North Carolina History Project. The Trials of Major Steed Bonnet and Other Pirates, 
and Wikipedia. Nice. And links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. I think we can all agree that everyone loves a pirate. I think it's pretty safe to say, yeah. Uh, unless you were a private business owner trying to conquer other lands. Or, pri- and... or pirated yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Plundered. <laughs> Stolen. Stolen all resources. Mm-hmm. Pirates have actually been around since as early as 75 BCE, when a group of Cilician pirates captured Julius Caesar. What? After he was ransomed and released, he later returned, swiftly defeated them, and then later crucified them. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. So, so yeah. Didn't appreciate that. No. People often talk about the golden age of piracy, which Maddie and I actually discussed in an episode of Shots and Thoughts, where we dominated at the games. Yeah, that was insane. We'll have a link in the to the show in the show notes <laughs> because it was pretty epic. It was bananas. For being a quote-unquote age of piracy, it was actually very short, lasting from the start of the 18th century, or 1700, until roughly 1720 or 1730. I mean, that makes sense. It's it's kind of hard to keep up crime like that long term. 20 years is a good amount. It's a long run. It's a nice run. It's a, it's a good run. It's a good run. Go, go team. Mm-hmm. But why? The rise in piracy took place for a slew of reasons. The vast amount of precious cargo that was being shipped to Europe via the Indian Ocean and near the coast of Africa and the Americas. Not to mention the fact that there were decreased Royal Navy patrols. <laughs> they, they just wanted to be on vacation. They were on strike. Well, there were a lot of wars with like the Spanish and the English going on at this time. So they were more focused on war and not necessarily the protection of their goods and services. Uh, is it war to protect goods and services? You would think. <laughs> One would think. <laughs> Okay. It also helped that European colonial governments tended to be corrupt and bad at their jobs. What? Right? I don't know. Doesn't check out. Yeah. If you're like me and have watched the first season, as Maddie mentioned, of Our Flag Means Death on HBO Max, starring Reese Darby and Taika Watiti, then you already have an idea of who our main character is. If you don't, buckle up. Because we're going on a crazy adventure. And start your free trial today. (laughs) Please sponsor us. (laughs) Sponsor us, HBO Max. Yes. Steed Bonnet was born on July 29th, 1688 in Bridgetown, Barbados, to parents Edward and Sarah Bonnet. Surprisingly, he was the couple's only child. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's said in some sources that he had two sisters, but it's hard to say as they were only mentioned in a couple places, which isn't that surprising yeah. because they were girls. Yeah, I was just going to say women weren't really noted at that point in history. So maybe he had sisters. Maybe he didn't have sisters. Maybe he did and something happened to them. I don't know. Okay. His family owned a 400 acre or 1.6 square kilometer sugar plantation southeast of Bridgetown. And upon his parents' deaths in 1694, Steed gained ownership of it all at the age of six. 
but obviously was unable to run it until much later when he had reached majority. Could you imagine? What do you want to do, sir? Eat it. (laughs) 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 I want to to eat all of the sugar cane. Please bake me all of the goods and provide me with sugar cubes for my tea. Thank you. And then they're like, we need to get somebody in here. (laughs) Yeah. This is not correct. But no, he had uh, guardians manage the property until he was old enough to run it himself. Uh, at 12? <laughs> <laughs> so much better. Excellent. Excellent. The St. Michael Parish Estate, or the Upton Plantation, as it was also known, obviously and unsurprisingly made Steed very rich. Mm-hmm. His guardians ensured that he was well-educated and raised to be a perfect gentleman. Oh, perfect gentleman with a bunch of sugar cubes. All the sugar cubes. Horses loved him. <laughs> I just imagine I just imagine a fancy dressed man with like sugar cubes in his pockets. Oh man. Come here, buttercup. Just swarmed by bugs. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Paraded around, followed by bees and ponies alike. <laughs> On November twenty first, seventeen oh nine, Steed married a woman named Mary Allenby who was the daughter of Captain William Allenby and Susanna McKee Allenby. At the time of their marriage, Steed was 21 and Mary was 19. Not too bad. That's actually, that's rare. Yeah. From from what we've gathered so far. So good on you, Steed, for like not rob, <laughs> robbing the cradle. Not being uh, a douche when it came to marrying. He didn't lure anyone with candy. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Into his non-existent van. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't lure the, sh- the woman with the sugar cubes. Both of Mary's parents were wealthy planters, and the couple lived in the parish of St. Michael, so on the plantation. Mm-hmm. The pair would go on to have four children together, Mary in 1710, Allenby in 1712, who would pass at the age of three, mm-hmm. Edward in 1713, and Steed Jr. in 1714. In addition to being a landowner, Steed also achieved the rank of major in the Barbados militia before he was made justice of the peace in January of 1716. Okay. So kind of an important person, right? Yeah, things are looking up. He's a pillar of the community. He is. Which makes me think serial killer. (laughs) But, you know. As one does. As one does. You're so good, you can't be good anymore, and then you murder. Speaking of that, for reasons known only to himself, in 1717, at the age of 29, Steed purchased a 10-gun sailing vessel that he named the Revenge and armed it with six cannons before leaving his wife and three children to start a career of piracy. That's quite the midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. The sugar got to his head. Too much sugar. <laughs> the sh- sugar cane became meth. Yeah. <laughs> it became part of what the absinthe where they would melt yeah. sugar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He drew up legal papers on March 25th, 1718, that granted his wife and two friends authority to conduct his affairs while he was away. So even though it yeah, was the he... year later, the year after he left, it kind of makes sense later on in the story. Yeah. Well, it's nice that he 
did that for her because yeah. nobody would have given her the ability without it. Yeah. It was noted that Steed borrowed 1,700 pounds, or roughly $400,000 today, around 1717, likely to fuel his pirate ambitions. Why didn't he just use his own money? Well, there are those that speculate that he was having financial troubles tied to a bad sugar crop. (gasps) The drug sugar crop. The fermented sugar. It was a bad year. Drove him mad. The bees turned into killer bees. (laughs) (laughs) Murder bees. Murder bees. Steed quickly set about hiring a crew of 70 men and paid them wages, which just didn't happen when you were a pirate. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's like a nine to five. Yep. All, All expenses paid. Most pirates relied on whatever they were able to steal as any form of payment, so the fact that he paid his crew regularly was a completely foreign concept. Yeah, but they were uncomfortable at first. Probably. I mean, you can probably see why he earned himself the moniker of Gentleman Pirate if he's right. paying. And he's like, no, no, no. $5.10 an hour. <laughs> I, think uh, I think that's reasonable. Here's some coin. And one thing that really set him apart as a pirate was the fact that he built and purchased his ship as opposed to stealing it from somebody else, which is right. what most pirates did back then. Yeah. Definitely unconventional. Yeah. And it said that he relied really heavily on the deck master and the... Why am I blanking on the name? Person that steers the ship. Because even though he was a military man, he wasn't part of the Navy, so he had no seafaring experience. Yeah. He had no license. He had no... No water license to uh, no no water license to pilot any sort of sea vessels. It just floats aimlessly <laughs> in whatever direction. And his ship for people who were all in who were like, what kind of ship was it? It was a sloop, and a sloop is a vessel that has just one mainsail. Okay, and it doesn't use like oars to be propelled. So. What a fun name. A sloop. Yeah. A sloop. I like it. Steed sailed the Revenge from Carlisle Bay, Barbados, around the Atlantic, cruising the Caribbean and American colonies as far north as New York, and was able to capture several ships off the Virginia Capes before heading to the Bahamas. Back home. And any time they encountered a ship from Barbados was the home. I know, I was like, that's not correct. <laughs> <laughs> they both start with a B. It's a B. I got confused too when I was writing my notes. I was like, wait, that's not right. Yeah, they're right next door. <laughs> they're neighbors. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> Anytime they encountered a ship traveling from or heading to Barbados, he had it ransacked and burned to prevent word of his exploits from reaching home. You mean Bahamas? To Barbados. So any ship that was heading from he was from or to, he was like, burn it to the ground. (laughs) (laughs) That's really aggressive. He like gives fair wages. He built his own ship. He lights all others on fire. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's a pirate. He's plundering. He's stealing things. Right. Burning vessels. Contrary to popular belief, Steed did capture and plunder a number of vessels, as I just said plundering four near the Chesapeake Bay, 
two more near New York City and released several captives at Gardiner's Island. Interesting. Not long after, while he was in the Bahamas around March 1717, Steed had his famous meeting with Edward Teach, a.k.a. Blackbeard. Nice. I love that Blackbeard's name is Edward. Yep. What's up, Ed? But he wasn't a sparkly vampire that we know of. The pair formed an alliance and spent a time hijacking ships in the West Indies. In August, Steed returned to the Carolinas, where he captured two ships, including a cargo-filled sloop, which he used to repair the revenge before burning whatever wasn't used. It was never here. I think instead of a pirate, he's more of a pyro. (laughs) A gentleman arsonist. (laughs) (laughs) A story from the time noted that during a voyage in September 1717 to Nassau, which was a popular pirate den on New Providence in the Bahamas, this is where it's where all the pirates go. This was the, the party capital for the pirates. Hey. If you're a pirate, I've got the perfect place for you. <laughs> <laughs> it has everything. It's got rum. It's got ladies of the night. It's got swashbucklers and privateers. <laughs> Fermented sugar. <laughs> all of the things. The revenge was involved in a fight with a Spanish man of war which is more commonly known as a powerful warship or frigate. So they had multiple sails, multiple cannons. So a big boy. Yeah. During this skirmish, the revenge was damaged and Steed was also seriously wounded. This tale has been contested by historians as no account of this fight has been recorded in any Spanish archives. But for the sake of this episode, we're going to say that it happened because it was mentioned in a few of my sources. Okay. As Steed was recovering from his injuries, he conceded the mantle of captain of the Revenge to his friend Blackbeard, who had the ship head out to Delaware Bay, where they attacked and plundered several other ships. It was during this time that Steed was essentially just a passenger on his own ship, spending much of his recovery in a morning gown. Oh. So he was just like wearing like a little gown from waking up. Ew. <laughs> It was also during this time that it became clear to Blackbeard that Steed's crew lacked the type of respect due to their captain. Yeah. If he, if the wages are gone, they're like, somebody call Ocean. <laughs> Ocean. Call Osha. It's just a bunch of bees. <laughs> For a short while, Steed and Blackbeard parted ways in December of 1717. Following a humiliating defeat at sea, Steed and his crew sailed to Belize, where they reunited with Blackbeard, who by that time had secured his own vessel, Queen Anne's Revenge, after capturing it while under the leadership of Captain Benjamin Hornigold. This wasn't the best of reunions. Yeah, I had a feeling he's he's becoming too cool for them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. According to historian Lindley Butler... Steed's crew bemoaned to Blackbeard about his, quote, personality weaknesses and poor seamanship, end quote. (laughs) Hey, Blackbeard, you're a dick. (laughs) No, they're saying that about Steed. Oh. They're like, uh. That's so funny. They hated Blackbeard at first, and now they're like, it was so much better when we got to pillage with you. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I hate getting a fair wage. <laughs> All he does is wear his robe and wander around the ship. It's so embarrassing. Keep thinking he's a ghost. <laughs> We're a lady. As for Blackbeard, according to the book A General History of Pirates, he was, quote, a most cruel hardened villain, bold and daring to the last degree, and would not stick at the perpetrating the most abominable wickedness imaginable, end quote. So he's reasonable. He's such a reasonable guy. To them and he was like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. And I read in one article that, like, their quote unquote friendship was really weird. Because, I mean, for obvious reasons, but also because Blackbeard, like, even to his friends, like, his first mate, he shot him in the knee one time. What the fuck? Because he... That would hurt so bad. Because he did something he didn't like. And it's like, if he did that to his best friend, who's his, like, (laughs) first mate, what do you think he did to his enemies, right? Like, shut up, bitch. (laughs) I said I want to go to the Bahamas. You stupid bitch. (laughs) Bang. Bang, bang. Within a few days, Blackbeard had a member of Steed's crew take charge of the revenge on his behalf, uh, one Lieutenant Turner. And Blackbeard held Steed prisoner on the Queen Anne's revenge. It was written in the Boston newsletter that Steed had been sighted on the ship where he was noted as walking about the deck, quote, in his morning gown, end quote. As a lady ghost. As, as one does when one is a respectable gentleman pirate. Before heading below deck, quote, to his books, of which he has a good library aboard, end quote. So he's just, you know, hanging out. Yep. Together with the Queen Anne's Revenge, a crew of 400 men and three ships they proceeded to Beaufort, North Carolina, raiding along the way. As they entered the Beaufort Inlet, two of the boats were grounded on sandbars, and it's unclear if this was intentional or not. Like, if they were doing it to, like, make repairs, or if it was just, like, oops-a-doodle. <laughs> <laughs> Got too drunk. <laughs> we didn't mean to go that far. After setting sail for the Bay of Honduras, followed by the Grand Cayman Island, Blackbeard was able to expand his fleet to five ships that he used in May 1718 when he blockaded the port of Charlestown, West Virginia, or Charleston today. Mm -hmm. The residents of Charlestown actually didn't mind pirates in the beginning, as they meant profit and protection from the Spanish who would regularly attack the colony. I just love that they don't like the Spanish. (laughs) They're like, fuck you guys. It's like everybody hates the Spanish. (laughs) Fuck you guys. They just steal all of our sugar. The pirates would loot the Spanish vessels before coming ashore to pay for wares with Spanish gold and silver, also selling any other booty they managed to acquire during their travels. Blackbeard maintained control over Charlestown for a week, seizing ships as they entered or left the harbor. It was during this time that he realized that one of the ships was transporting Samuel Wragg, a member of the Provincial Grand Council who was on his way to London. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Blackbeard was able to use Rag and several others in order to get Governor Robert Johnson to trade medical supplies for the hostages. Nice. We need (laughs) (laughs) Band-Aids. And and Neosporin. (laughs) I need lots of salve and booze. (laughs) 
and and opium. I need lots of anti-itch cream for all the bees. I need arnica cream. <laughs> I need aloe vera for the sunburn. Aloe of, aloe vera. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Blackbeard convinced Steed that they, and by they I mean Steed, should give up a life of piracy and request a formal pardon. So the pair traveled to Bath Town, or modern-day Bath, where the royal governor of North Carolina, Charles Eden, granted Steed royal amnesty. But Blackbeard had no intention of being pardoned. Once the pair returned to the ship, Steed discovered that Blackbeard had once again double-crossed him, stripping the revenge of all her supplies before sailing away with the spoils and most of Steed's crew, which he later marooned on a small island. He's such a dick. <laughs> it's just it's so mean. All of it. And it's not like violent enough for you to be like, wow, he's a monster. He's just an asshole. <laughs> Doesn't kill his best friend, just shoots him in the knee. <laughs> Pretends to help Steed out. Just robs him of everything. <laughs> Doesn't kill his crew, just abandons them on an island. Like, it's just... It's, it's so not, petty. It's so petty. Only five men remained to help man Steed's revenge. Understandably, Steed wanted to get revenge, no pun intended, against mm-hmm. Blackbeard for his betrayal. First fucking pettiness. Right? <laughs> there were stipulations put on Steed by the governor in order for him to keep his pardon. He had to aid in the capture of Blackbeard and become a privateer for the governor. Instead, Steed assembled 40 men and returned to a life of piracy. (laughs) (laughs) Checks out. (laughs) In order to protect himself and keep his pardon by the governor, he started using the alias Captain Thomas and even changed the name of his ship to the Royal James, which he upgraded to now sport 10 guns instead of six. After tracking down Blackbeard's last known location of Ocracoke, North Carolina, Steed started to sail the Atlantic seaboard of the Americas, capturing several large vessels along the way and sharing the spoils equally amongst his men. On July 2nd, 1718, Steed and his men captured a merchant vessel known as Fortune off the Delaware Bay coast, and two days later, another named Francis. I just, why would you name your ship Fortune? You're just asking to get robbed. <laughs> why would you name it Francis? Because <laughs> hopefully people would just think it was stupid and move on. <laughs> oh, it's just Francis. Let him go. It's just Francis. They don't have anything. Steed and his crew sailed all three vessels down the Cape Fear River in August so they could repair the Royal James by careening it which is when you purposefully ground your vessel on its side. Mm -hmm. Local authorities, such as Colonel William Rett, soon learned that Steed was moored in the Cape Fear Inlet, and upon the orders of the South Carolina governor, a naval force that included the armed ships of Henry and the Sea Nymph were sent out to attack and capture Steed and his crew. Did they realize he had two more ships? I don't think they knew that. Yeah... On September 26, 1718, Colonel Rhett arrived at Cape Fear, 
but both of his vessels ran aground and then anchored for the night. The following day, the battle started. During the course of the skirmish, both Steed's and the colonel's naval vessels went aground and remained stranded for several hours because it was low tide. Yeah. That's really funny. It is. <laughs> like, we can get away. <laughs> Mother Nature's like, LOL, no. <laughs> <laughs> this didn't stop both parties from taking pot shots at one another with their cannons until the tide returned. Oh my god, I love this. It's still so petty. Especially when, like, they went all the way down there and like, okay, let's get a good night's rest and then we'll attack. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. So this was one of, like, the bloodiest battles on, like, the Carolina coast, which is kind of funny. Yeah. And also kind of sad, I mean, they were obviously. Cl- they're close to each other. Yeah. Close enough to, like, cannon the crap out of each other. Unfortunately for Steed, they weren't able to get their vessels out fast enough. So he and his remaining crew of 33 men soon found themselves captured after a six-hour-long battle on September 27, 1718. That sucks. Steed and his men were then taken to Charlestown, where Steed and two of his officers were held in loose detention at the home of the town marshal far away from the rest of his crew. Because, you know, he's a gentleman. What's... Yeah, loose detention. So he was... You ju- can stay with me at my house. <laughs> That's pretty much what it was, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, this is my wife and all of my children. <laughs> you guys can share this room, our nice yeah. guest room. It's so nice. It had seashells. <laughs> Look at all of our shell art. <laughs> my wife's quite the crafter. <laughs> Wait till you try her butter. She turned it herself. A few days into their imprisonment, Steed and his men were able to escape on October 24th, 1718, and evade capture for 12 days before they were caught on November 6th at Sullivan's Island and thrown into jail with the rest of the crew. That checks out. (laughs) You guys can't just be like, you can come stay with me, it's fine. (laughs) By the way, don't run away, please, thanks. You rascal. We can trust you, right? Of course. I'm a gentleman. (laughs) On October 28th, all but four of Steed's men were tried by Judge Nicholas Trott and convicted of piracy against 13 ships, as well as multiple counts of murder. All 28 men were found guilty and put to death via hanging on November 12th at the tip of the Charlestown Peninsula. Oh, that sucks. The list of his men that were hanged includes Robert Tucker, Edward Robinson, Neil Patterson, William Scott, Job Bailey, John William Smith, Thomas Carmen, John Thomas, William Morrison, William Livers, Samuel Booth, William Hewitt, John Levitt, William Eddy, Alexander Anand, George Ross, George Duncan, John Ridge, Matthew King, Daniel Perry, Henry Virgin, James Robbins, James Mullet, Thomas Price, John Lopez, Zachariah Long, James Wilson, John Brierly, and Robert Boyd. Okay, I originally was like, how did they identify themselves? Because there were so many Williams, and all that I was like, oh, they must go by last names. And then I heard Virgin, and I was like, Man. <laughs> 
I think some of them <laughs> had like nicknames. Like they went by like like Addison went by I Addy. Bet, I bet you he didn't have one. They wouldn't let him have one. Yeah, they're just like, oh Henry. <laughs> virgin. <laughs> I think he hey, was Henry, so I'm sure it was fine. The four that were tried and acquitted include Thomas Nichols, Roland Sharp, Jonathan Clare, and Thomas Garrett. How did they get away with that? I don't know. I think some of them turned King's Witness, and that's why Mm -hmm. they got away with it. I know at least one of them did, but I don't know if all four of them did. I feel like that has to be the only way. Yeah. Steed was later charged with two counts of piracy on November 10th, 1718, representing himself in court. Steed pleaded not guilty. (laughs) What is wrong with this man? I got this. It probably won't surprise you to learn that he was, in fact, found guilty and sentenced (laughs) to death for his crimes. By representing himself, he just gave the judge sugar cubes. (laughs) And some of the stolen seashell art from... From the marshal. guy's house. From the marshal's house. I come bearing gifts. Look, it's a little dish you can put your sugar in. (laughs) Look at this lovely seashell sugar dish. Judge Trott was noted as saying, quote, that you, the said Steed Bonnet, shall go from hence to the place from whence you came, and from thence to the place of execution, where you shall be hanged by the neck till you are dead. And the God of infinite mercy be merciful to your soul, end quote. While waiting for his execution, Steed wrote a letter to Governor Johnson, begging for an act of clemency, even going so far as to promise to have all of his limbs cut off to assure he would never again commit any acts of piracy. What the fuck is wrong with him? (laughs) Yeah. I just want to be a ghost in a dress. (laughs) On a ship. (laughs) With peg legs and peg arms. <laughs> trying to toddle around. He's just a peg starfish. <laughs> he keeps falling because the dress is too long. <sighs> the governor noted that Steed's visibly deteriorating mental health moved many Carolinians to pity for his plight, including many females. And although he stayed his execution seven times, Steed Bonnet was ultimately hanged on December 10th, 1718, in Charlestown. He was 30 at the time of his execution and had been a pirate for a mere 20 months. Wow. I was expecting that to be a lot longer. Yeah. That's insane. Edward Teach, a.k.a. Blackbeard, was killed earlier that same year on November 22nd, 1718, during a fight with naval forces. In fact, his head was brought back to the Virginia governor as proof of his demise and put on display as a macabre warning to anyone else either practicing or considering piracy. How dare you be this petty? (laughs) Try me, bitch. (laughs) I'll show you petty. (laughs) Seven years after Steed's death, his widow Mary would go on to marry a man named David Rycroft at St. Thomas Parish on June 5th, 1725. Both David and Mary were 35 at the time of their marriage, and no records have been found to confirm whether the pair had any children together. 
Mary would later pass away in June 1750 at the age of 60, which is a pretty respectable age from that from back then. Absolutely. A plaque can be found in White Point Garden at the Charleston Battery that marks the day that Steed Bonnet died. It reads, quote, Near this point in the autumn of 1718, Steed Bonnet, notorious gentleman pirate, and 29 of his men, captured by Colonel William Rett, met their just deserts. After a trial and charge, famous in American history, by Chief Justice Nicholas Trott, all were buried off White Point Gardens in the marshes beyond low watermark, end quote. If you've watched the show Our Flag Means Death, unless you're completely oblivious, you would have picked up on the romantic undertones that develop between Steed Bonnet and Edward Teach throughout the season. <laughs> this wouldn't have been outside the realm of possibility. According to author Barry Richard Berg, same-sex relationships amongst pirates was fairly common, not to mention the practice of metalletage. Metalletage was the same-sex union between two pirates, and the base for the term matey that is so commonly used today. Oh, cool. In fact, metalletage was almost exclusively financial, i.e. if my mate dies, I get his booty. <laughs> and also the real one. Yeah. <laughs> and also the actual yep. one. All of the booty. But oftentimes, these unions were also romantically motivated as well. Cute. That being said, was their relationship something more? Or did Blackbeard take advantage of Steed's inexperience as a naval leader? It's hard to say. He was petty enough that I think it was probably a one-sided relationship. Probably. To this day, no one is really sure why Steed would choose to give up his life of luxury in order to spend it on the, on the high seas as a pirate. Some speculate that he had some sort of mental disorder or midlife crisis, or that he was trying to escape an unhappy marriage, while many choose to believe that he was looking for something much simpler, an adventure. I kind of think that one. And that is the story of Steed Bonnet, the Gentleman Pirate. That's super messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I've often struggled with gut health and proper nutrition, which made me wonder what sort of vitamins and minerals I may be missing that my body really needs. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. I drink my AG1 right away in the morning as a great way to get my day started. As someone who suffers from food allergies, I appreciate the fact that it's so lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Not only that, but the subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is so important, especially in Minnesota where I'm from, where we don't get as much sunlight. For less than $3 a day, you can invest in your health. That's cheaper than a daily coffee habit. If you don't want to take my word for it, check out the over 7,000 five-star reviews that Athletic Greens has received. It's not just about the fact that I'm taking better care of my body. Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral certified company that gives back as well. For every purchase they receive, 
They donate to organizations that help supply nutritious foods to children in need, including No Kid Hungry. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that is athleticgreens.com E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And there's no podcast plug this week. I did that on purpose because instead we have tons of questions. I put them on a, oh, a spinning wheel. Cute. And our first question is <laughs> Elizabeth wants to know who would you rather see in concert, Prince or Queen? Queen. Yeah, Queen, definitely. No shade to Prince at all. No. But. Bicycle, bicycle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our next question. Christina and MJ from A Spooky Tales want to know, what has been your favorite episode? Ah, oh, snap. <laughs> I know. Well, there's only 100 of them to go through. <laughs> yeah, before it was easy when there were like five. I know. <laughs> I still like animal crimes. I knew you were going to say that one. That's always been your favorite. It's just... It's always been my favorite. Like, who writes a cease and desist letter to bull weevils? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> Dear weevils, please leave. Leave immediately in the name of God. Please stop eating all of Jesus's grapes. <laughs> <laughs> they are his grapes. They are the Lord's grapes. <laughs> they are his body. Bugs. They are the, bloody, the body and blood of Jesus. And by Jesus, I mean Christ. <laughs> Um, what's my favorite episode? I really don't know if I have one. Really? I mean, there are some that were really funny, like where we did a lot of jokes and stuff that were really good. What was one of my favorite things to talk about? I keep going back to the the morning jewelry or like the, the eye. Yeah, jewelry. the eyes and stuff. Just because that was really interesting and it was kind of a mm-hmm. an interesting way to market the fact that you were in an affair having an affair without actively being like i'm totally cheating on you (laughs) what a shady thing right my eyes aren't green (laughs) oh i'm sorry dear going back to christina and mj they want to know what case was the most difficult to talk about any long pig episode (laughs) those are hard for me but honestly that one about the the young girl that was murdered, mm-hmm. like lured to her death, that was Fanny really Adams, hard. yeah. That was a really difficult episode. Anything that involves children, mm-hmm. like the harming of children, is very difficult. I was going to say that's the one that was always the most difficult for me was the murder of Fanny Adams, because that was really messed up. Super messed up. I mean, I'm glad we talked about it, but it was really messed up. Mm-hmm. All right, next question. Our friend Dustin from Sandman Stories Presents wants to know, how does it feel to be so awesome? Uh, it's, it's cool, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty great. 
<laughs> I think it's okay. <laughs> it's it's okay sometimes. It's nice. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's just fine. You know, it's all right. All right. Next question. Again, Dustin wants to know: Did any of the criminals make you laugh? So many. So many. There's been a lot. Because they're so dumb. Yeah. (laughs) They are. So many of them are so dumb. Especially when they get away with it, like on accident the first time. And then all of a sudden they think they're these fantastical masterminds. Like who? I cannot remember his name for the life of me now. I think it was like William Heyman. He was the guy that like was a prolific poisoner. And he had like the racetrack and all the race horses that he couldn't yes. pay for. That guy was such an idiot. God. <laughs> he, was so dumb. he was so dumb. <laughs> so dumb. I would say that guy. I'm sure I got his last name wrong because I can't remember. I know his first name was William, but Reggie from Six Sheets Under wants to know what was a challenge you faced and how did you overcome that? Oh, well, that's broad. <laughs> um. I feel like that's an interview question. <laughs> hmm. A challenge I faced is my pancreas died and I overcame it by taking <laughs> insulin. <laughs> I don't think that applies to the podcast, but okay. Oh, in the terms of podcasting. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you can use that one. <laughs> it's, I mean, it still affects me every day. So sure. Yeah. I'll use yep. that one. I think... Just getting exposure has been a really hard obstacle to overcome, like figuring out how to effectively market ourselves. And I think by joining different groups on Twitter, that's really helped us grow our audience because we've been partnering Mm -hmm. with other podcasters who have helped us really market ourselves by sharing our content with their followers Mm -hmm. to help us grow our listenership. So I think that's a great way that we've been able to kind of overcome the obstacle of people learning who the hell we are. Right. I still think it's crazy that anybody listens to this. I know. (laughs) Because for me, I'm just hanging out with my sister, you know, Mm -hmm. once a week. Yeah. Our friend Alex from Weird Distractions wants to know, if you could revisit any case you've covered, which one would you pick? Hmm. For like more information, mm-hmm. delving deeper, animal crime. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back. I need to know more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which one would I do? Part of me wants to go back to do some, one of our earlier ones to kind of, now that I've been researching, like getting better about researching and using different source materials and things like that like different Mm -hmm. places where I get my research from maybe going back to one of the earlier episodes to try to dive deeper into it I couldn't tell you like one specifically that I would want to do but yeah probably just go back to one of the first 10 or something Mm -hmm. next question is from Dustin And he wants to know, over the 100 episodes, which one stayed with you long after the episode? (laughs) Are you going to say animal crimes again? (laughs) I don't even need to say it. (laughs) (laughs) That one and the the Roman penises. 
for whatever reason that one <laughs> stayed with me too. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Like I can't get over the fact that they used to hang out in graveyards. Mm-hmm. Like, who goes to the graveyard at night and is like, you know what I really want? A blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> You know where I think I should go? The graveyard. <laughs> right. My dead mom needs to see this. When I think of sex, I think of dead people. <laughs> <laughs> That's called necrophilia. <laughs> if you think about it, too, if they didn't, like, know about decomp well, like, it was like, the ground bloated. <laughs> you know? Maybe that's why. The ground's squishy here. Gross. <laughs> it's like a bounce castle of toxic gas. <laughs> Anytime I think of sex in the graveyard, this is such a random topic, I think of the movie McGruber when yes. he thinks he's having sex with his dead wife. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. What stuck with me long after? Um, I'm going to say the Zana, the Yeti. One, just because I felt so bad for her, but also at the same time, it was like a really fascinating story, like from a scientific point. You honestly wonder, what was she? Yeah. Like, truly, because she wasn't a monster. Mm -mm. So what does that mean? Yeah. What kind of conditions did she actually have? Mm -hmm. I thought that one was really interesting. And that's one that I kind of, I think about every once in a while. All right, next question. Dustin wants to know, how long would you have survived in Elizabethan England? Now, I have to look up when Elizabethan England was. Less than a day, because I'm a diabetic and they didn't have insulin. (laughs) This is true. So that would have been 1558 to 1603. Oh, yeah. Definitely had the walking curse at that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. I, uh... (laughs) A singular day. (laughs) I would be lucky if I finished out the day. Honest to God. (laughs) I probably would have contracted the Black Death or I would have said or done or worn something that like offended somebody and immediately had my head cut off. I'm not a cat. I'm not a Catholic. So said the wrong thing. Yeah. You would have been a witch. I would have been a witch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or wait, would she lady walking around everywhere? (laughs) Just me. Wait, was she? I can't remember. Was she a Catholic or was she? I think she was a Protestant. She was a Protestant. Yeah. Still, you would have died. Still, yeah. Protestant. Protestants is like Catholic light. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been so dead. Mm -hmm. All right. Last question from Dustin. He wants to know what's your favorite cramp word so far. Oh my god, I gotta look it up. Because yeah, there's been so many. There was one that was really good. I need to look it up. Beard splitter was really funny. That's an enjoyer of women. Nice, nice. Let's see, bags o mystery, which is an 1850 term for sausages. <laughs> I like that one. That's a good one. Prigger of Proncers, which is a horse thief. <laughs> A breaker of broncers. That's a good one. <laughs> Not my broncer. 
Kruger spoof, which is an 1896 term for lying. Kruger spoof. I would have thought it was a pastry. Mm hmm. That's what it sounds like. So, yeah, those are some of them. Mm-hmm. All right, two more questions. Christina and MJ want to know, do you have a least favorite episode? Any of the long pig ones. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me so uncomfy. Least favorite. Fanny Adams? No, I didn't hate that one. Mm. Oh, for one that I would go back and dive into more, it would be the or the demonic origins of ventriloquism. That one was really fun. <laughs> I forgot about that one. That one was good. <laughs> that was a good one. The tax evasion one. The medieval tax evasion. Yeah. It just wasn't as interesting as some of the other ones we've done. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. Last question. Reggie wants to know, what was your biggest hurdle to make it to 100 episodes? I think that's a question for you. I think just being able to make the time to do the research. Like, it's it's really a struggle sometimes to make time in the day when I'm not working or parenting or doing Girl Scout stuff or, you know, mm-hmm. just doing stuff outside of podcasting. Right. To find time to do research and edit, there are some... There have been many times when I've gotten up early in the morning to edit or do podcast research. There have been some nights where I've been up until one in the morning finishing notes so we can record on the weekends. There's a lot of work that people aren't aware of that goes into podcasting. Yeah. So just finding time has been a struggle. And that's kind of why we took December off last year, just Mm -hmm. because... December's a really busy month, and I just knew with everything that was going on that I just was not going to have time to do a good job putting together quality content. Come on, everybody deserves a break. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to get to the point where I'm, like, burnt out doing this, and I haven't gotten to that point yet, and I hope I don't, Mm -hmm. which is part of why I took the break, because I was like, I don't want to get to the point where I just, I don't want to do it anymore because it's too much work. So... Mm -hmm. Thank you, everyone, for submitting your questions. I thought it was fun. It's very fun. So on that note, what's something good you'd like to share, Maddie? Um, My engagement ring came. Mm -hmm. And it's sparkly and I like it. Now I feel like a goblin. (laughs) Because I'm constantly just like messing with it and playing with it. And I also wanted to make a little necklace with stones in it like gems Mm -hmm. and so I found this like little vial and normally I take it off before I go to bed and two days ago I didn't and so there were just a bunch of tiny gems (laughs) in our bed (laughs) when we woke up because it like the cork undid in the vial so my fiance glued it for me so that it won't pop open again yeah but yeah, I don't know. It's it's just another kind of symbol that this is real. So, mm-hmm. and it's mine. Yep, that's just kind of a nice thing. Yeah, bit bit materialistic, but it's okay. I like it. I'm living out my little goblin life, <laughs> little goblin <laughs> fantasies. How about you? 
something good. I've been getting outside because the weather's been nice. And Mm -hmm. Thomas and I went for a one-wheel ride Friday. And I was able to stop all by myself. I have this issue. That's awesome. Like, stopping on the one-wheel is difficult. Because you have to, like, come almost to a complete stop balance and then just lift your lift your front heel up so it like tips backwards and stops that's too many steps and I had the biggest issue like doing it because you know I'd start wobbling and then I'd like have to bail or I'd have to like grab Thomas's arm or his hand so I didn't fall and I finally have kind of like nailed down the trick which is to stare at a point straight ahead of you and focus on that so you're not turning your head because if you turn your head and kind of like stare off in the distance somewhere to the side you naturally mm-hmm. start to kind of lean that way mm-hmm. and then okay you have to kind of bail because then you're, you're not balancing properly anymore but we went for a 11 mile ride and i was able to stop all by myself that's awesome i did forget one good thing this week what mom and dad got a puppy they did get the dog Mm-hmm. Nice. He's a corgi Shiba Inu mix. And mom and dad forgot that like rehoming an, an animal is hard mm-hmm. a little bit. So Gracie immediately thought she was going to die. She was going to get murdered by the puppy. The puppy was like, where's my mom? Yeah. And he, there was like another corgi in the house that he bonded with. I think it's going to be great. They're going to have a good time. Mm-hmm. It's just, it takes about a couple of months. It's just an adjustment to period. Acclimate. Yeah. All right. Shall we? We shall. You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at yieldcrimepod and on Facebook and Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel where we share each episode on a few different playlists, there's the full episodes that include our Cramport segments and also a separate playlist that's just for the Cramport episodes. If you'd like to send us something in the mail, you can write to our P.O. Box, which is Yield Crime Podcast, P.O. Box 341, Wyoming, Minnesota 55092. You can also email us at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Submit your questions, story ideas, gifts, or just say hi. If you'd like to support the show, but you can't do so financially, a great way is to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, or a rating on Spotify. And this week's review comes from Podchaser from the Crime and Roses podcast. And they say, my mom loves old-time stories, and I told her about this podcast, and she loves it. The stories are mind-blowing. Oh, thank you. I'm glad your mom likes our show. Yeah, that's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> If you'd like to support us financially, you can do so on Buy Me a Coffee with the, for a one-time donation. You can also join our Patreon for as low as a dollar a month to get early ad-free access to all of our content. You can also purchase merch over at our Tee Public shop. We have relisted all of our Pride merch for the month of June, and all of the proceeds from any sales of our Pride merch will go towards the Prismatic Church of Light which is a religious organization slash nonprofit organization that supports the LGBTQIA community. Worthy cause. Mm -hmm. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. 
And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime.